Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos and welcome to Friction Law. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. We're live. Are we? Wait, in vivo. No, what'd you say? Estamos al, al aire, Estamos no? okay. al aire, on yeah. air. <laughs> yeah. okay. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? Good, good. Just trying to kind of enjoying the spring. Like, it's supposed to be hot here, and we woke up in the last couple of days close to 35 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like close to zero, which doesn't make sense at all whoa, and whoa, it's cloudy 35 and degrees it's fahrenheit yes oh dude it's cold what i don't know the high was 57 for my celsius friends that's like 17 i guess yeah yeah it's cold so but other than that it's all good how about yeah, you Ca california's got funny weather man it's been beautiful here in florida it's been awesome it's like in the <laughs> 80s no humidity it's like my favorite type of kind of weather where it's it's hot, but it's mm -hmm. there's no there's very little humidity and there's a nice nice like wind coming from the from the ocean. It's like my favorite time of year, really. <laughs> yeah, the humidity is what we don't get here. It's dry heat, which I like compared to humid. I'm not into that. All right, so let's talk about a few things that we have seen over the web in the last few days since our last episode. And then today is a little bit different in the sense that we don't have an actual friction log, but we're following up on a subject that you mentioned, I think, in the last episode. We're open sourcing our friction log website. And we're so the friction log is the friction log. <laughs> yes. The friction log is about the friction log website, nice. which was a fun experience, I gotta say. But before we get into that, let's talk about a few things that you sent me during the week. Preview JS. Yeah, I really want to do a I really want to do a friction log on this because it's really interesting. I it clearly it's for like framework makers and, and and component builders and stuff so because if you follow the tailwind folks tailwind css and stuff they have like their own thing that they built so that when they make a component i think it's tailwind right yeah yeah then it's for react it's for view it's for whatever and so they they make it in this generic thing and then it compiles to those so i looked at the stack and what they do to build that so i think Preview.js is kind of like an answer to that. It's trying to solve that problem for everybody. So it looks interesting. So you write it in this like abstract way of writing a component and then it builds a view component and a React component, right? Yes. So it is for Vue and React. And I guess what I like is that it gives you the necessary context to build components, right? It's mainly for, I guess, UI components for the most part, maybe, because it has the HTML and CSS and all of that in there, or the TSX. But it gives you that context where you can properly isolate what you want that component to be, what reusable component it to be. Is, is it a button? Is it a radio? Is it a dropdown? And that, I, I like it because you have to think about the input you have to think about the event propagating, right? If that triggers something, 
And it just puts you on the right context. And the fact that it is right there on VS Code, I think uh, it's pretty nice. 575 stars in GitHub and a friction log will be coming soon. I think it's going to bump up the list. So that's that's fun. What else? Keystone.js, that's the next one. What is Keystone.js? So, so real quick, let me back up just to correct myself. Maybe I misunderstood this and I'm huh. confusing it with another thing. This looks like a storybook type setup but it's in your vs code that's, that's what i am is. looking at previous js yeah yeah so i i think i misunderstood so that's that's my bad for misunderstanding preview js maybe it's something else i'm thinking of anyway it does look <laughs> interesting i still want to try it out though because i like the idea of it being in vs code like that that's curious keystone is a cms it used to be back in the day i think built on mongo and i think it had its own like um object from its own ORM, but now it's built on Prism and it's Postgres that it's built on top of. But it's pretty cool. It's it's like one of those things where in code you define this is the page list view, this is the page detail view, this is the type of values that get entered in, and it generates those pages for you. So it's like a quick way to generate an admin on top of like a post database. Looks really cool. I actually have like a little side project that I'm wanting to work on, which is like a news aggregator where you, you point the aggregator to a website that doesn't have an RSS feed and it can extract the metadata, whether it's open graph or whatever they use. And if they, it does have an RSS feed, then it extracts the RSS stuff. So then it aggregates all that. You auto tag things. You, you kind of like provide these are the tags I care about or these are the things. And then it'll, when it does the extraction part, it'll do that. So I need like a CMS so that someone can like enter in those links and mm -hmm. websites and stuff like that. So I'm thinking about using key, uh, Keystone for it. So that, that'll be a, a friction log at some point this year we'll have. It okay, looks really cool I though. Gotta, I'm, yeah, I'm I got to ask. So, is the, so it generates all of that for you and then it has your Postgres. Okay, that's that's pretty cool actually. It's like uh, it's like your admin for a CMS or for for things like that. So it's hundred percent TypeScript. Okay, I have a I have an interesting question for you. Okay. I see this Keystone Six, and then the first thing that I see is obviously how to create an app, and they use Yarn create Keystone app as opposed to I guess npm whatever command or mpx right yeah yeah what mm -hmm. do you think about that like do you have different reactions when you see a tool that uses yarn versus npm i know it's the same but what do you feel no it's it's actually an interesting question because literally the first thing i felt was it's like you read my mind Cesar. come on man literally when i was trying it out over this weekend i was like well where's the npm or mpx command i don't want this yarn thing i, I get it like there, we can talk about yarn forever but it's just i don't like to use it for whatever stupid reason so i'm instantly like ah why is that the first thing it's showing me that's that's literally the sentiment i had when i when i saw it <laughs> yeah. it happens to me i think i i have a couple of projects where i start them with yarn and I think they're just like that. One of them being my blog where I put some of the cloud stuff and I hate it. 
Like, and again, it's probably faster and there are pros and cons. And at the end of the day, it's a matter of preference, kind of like Cocoa Pods versus uh, Swift Package Manager versus, uh, what was the other one? Cartridge. That was the other one. Oh, on yeah, iOS. yeah, yeah. Cartridge, right. Yeah. So it's all a matter of preference. But at some point you want to, like I feel, like I don't want to invest the time in specializing into something like Jarn, which is just tooling, where the rest or the majority of the node ecosystem stays on NPM. It's like, why would I like just save a couple of seconds? That doesn't make sense. But I found it interesting. I saw it, I saw Yarn create and I was like, ah, you're like, to me, this strikes as the developers that build this are opinionated enough to put Yarn as opposed to NPM or MPX, which is interesting. Not bad, not good. It just it always makes me think about the people who are behind that. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, good that's that true. Like, why your, your point is why lead with that if that's not the majority use case? Which I actually don't even know what the percentage is. I'm assuming NPM's way bigger than Yarn as far as usage goes, but because I mean there is advantages with Yarn and how it does like the parallel installations and all that stuff, but. If you're building docs and stuff, why would you lead with something that isn't the the norm? That's a good question. Yeah. Yep. It just talks to me that they have an opinion and it's good that they put it out there. But at the same time, I'm like, do you, I don't know, do you care more about yarn or your product? Like, Because if you care about your product, you will probably put both, not just one. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> Nothing right. against yarn, just like you, I don't, I don't use it. I don't like it. So Keystone, that should be fun. So you are building a new segregator. So you're basically rebuilding Google, what was it? Google Reader? Not really, but yeah, right. <laughs> Rest <laughs> in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah, old is new. Yeah. yeah. It, it, cool. you know, the, one interesting thing with Keystone that is attractive too is because it's built now on Prism and it's got that ORM layer, it's got the migrations and it's got that like native feel of prism and, and just managing databases that way so it's almost like you can use that as a as the way to manage your database and and the structure and all that even if it's out of band from mm -hmm. how you're going to use it because now this is like your system of record and the ui on top of your system of record or a ui an admin ui on top of it but out of band you have this graph api that it generates so that you can have internal systems or whatever communicate with it that way. And then, you know, somewhere else you can have like a consumer layer, that API layer that interacts with it or interacts with something else that interacts with it. So it, it's interesting. It's a, it, it seems like it would give you enough flexibility to, to do what you need to do and scale where you need to scale, but we'll see. We'll, we'll play around with it and see what it does. Yeah, it's just that generic system that administers data and you define it by code and yeah i i can see i can see a lot of good things here here's another thing that i noticed they spell person personalized support with s as opposed to z which means it's probably out of the uk <laughs> yeah i want to say for some reason i want to say australia um, or australia yeah but i don't know why i, I want to say back in the day when it was Whenever they started out, I want to say I watched some videos and I, I, 
probably if if the if the person who ever started that is listening to me and they're like a kiwi from new, new zealand or they'd be like oh what are you talking about ah, i'm not i'm I'm from Tasmania or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. So, somewhere down there, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But they, yeah, they do not spell with the C things like person, personalized or organizations. It's with S. And that's yeah. always interesting too. Talks about right. many things. Okay. Good. All right. Well, let me know how it goes. We can always come back. And once we have a friction log published, we can talk about it. Keystone 6 at keystonejs.com. All right. The next one, I brought it up, I think, in one of the newsletters that I get. Rome, R-O-M-E. It is, this, this is an interesting package because yeah, it, it sounds pretty cool. At the same time, it sounds that it is trying to do too much. I have seen it in the news more than once. I think I first heard of it at the end of last year, but I'm just going to read from the website so I don't um, I don't miss anything. Rome is a formatter linter, bundler, and more for JavaScript, TypeScript, JSON, HTML, Markdown, and CSS. And it's designed to replace Babel, ESLint, Webpack, yeah. Prettier, Jest, and others. Like, oh, wait, wait. That, that's what it says on the website? All of those? Yes. Oh, wow. That is quite ambitious. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because they, they make a joke out of like, well, Rome wasn't built on, uh, on one day. In a so day. They start with the first release. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they start with the first release, which is the formatter, which is the prettier replacement. Okay. Right? Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And I don't like it's faster, obviously. Yes, lean webpack TypeScript. But it's just like the beginning of it. And it also, I think it's nice that it tries to do the formatting, even though you may have some syntax errors in your code. So it will try to make it prettier, even if it doesn't parse mm -hmm. correctly, which mm -hmm. I know prettier uh, fails at some of that. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that either becomes the next big thing or yeah, it's just right. going to fail miserably because it tried to do too much too soon. So... Yeah, or they figure out they need to make it modular, or maybe it's built that way already. Who knows? Multiple repos or something. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's written in Rust, right? I think I remember yeah. seeing that. Yeah. That's so is this? Fast. I, I feel like at least with the tools, it's like you know that the mantra, whatever can be written in JavaScript will be. <laughs> this is like whatever JavaScript tool can be written in Rust will be. I kind of feel like that's the that's where things are going. <laughs> yeah, some of the tooling from Bercel is actually being rebuilt in Rust, right? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. the last uh, very conference impressive. they mentioned. And it's yeah, fast it's and everybody likes it, but yeah. <laughs> so that's the one that I have. Uh, first release, formatter. I don't know. I might try it out just for fun, see how different it is. But I feel like it's going to have a bunch of conflicts with the other things that it's trying to replace so i don't know well maybe we'll see and the next one which it's a good candidate for uh, a friction log and maybe even a, a live friction log is git live git uh l i v e git dot live yeah git dot live is the web page I, yeah you know uh, i don't I've never heard it. I never heard of it before until this past week. And hmm. I don't know how long it's been around, but I'm kind of surprised I've never heard of it because it looks, the promise is amazing. And I installed it really quick. And sure enough, it now it's just me in the one repo I installed it on. But you, you can see like 
what you're working on and it shows all the PRs that I have open and it has all the stuff. So you can see all your teammates, all their PRs. You can see all the files that they're working on that they have in flight. It's kind of impressive. Yeah. I I'm impressed with it. Bunch of integrations like Jira, Trello, Bitbucket, Azure DevOps, GitHub, obviously that's the premise, right? The premise is that you are able to see other people local changes right as opposed to just whatever they push to the repo you you are all connected and you can see the moment somebody's going to have a conflict you can resolve it even before two pull requests get get created right or you're trying to put and merge yeah it's um, pretty sick i mean yeah, that's it's, it's super impressive and, and and it's not just that it's also the issues too so it shows you that hey so-and-so just check this out and like that's the issue and then boom there's the PR or there's the, the code that he's actually just coding right now. And you can, like you said, pull it in. It's pretty impressive idea, vision. Yep. It's interesting. They have a feature around, like you can call each other. I guess you can do like a Zoom or, or something where you can meet with the peer. The free plan has 40 minutes. Organizations has four hours, blah, blah, blah. Merge detection, social coding and issue tracking, group calls with code share and support. Interesting. Definitely, a, definitely another one of those things that just come up and it's already built. Like you would expect it to be in a early beta for yeah. you to be the first time that you heard about it. And mm -hmm. that's also my time, my, my experience as well. All right. Another good candidate. We'll come back to them in future episodes. Let's talk about open sourcing friction lock website. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this is, so I wrote the, the revision to friction log, what over Christmas break or something like that, redid the site. And so then you took it and open sourced it. So really the friction log should be more like, Hey, Cesar, what was the friction log with working with Rick's code? That probably should be the friction log. <laughs> what were the blockers? <laughs> were there any well, delights at all? Probably not. I have one. I have one delight. Um, oh, one. Okay, great. <laughs> well, it's just there's not a lot of code, like quantity-based, right? But at the same time, that's also what I like because I think I mentioned it on the previous episode where I have a blog that I created before... Next.js became what it is right now. So I created it in Gatsby.js. Oh, yeah, right. mm -hmm. It's just, it takes so long to build and it has so many dependencies. And it's one of those templates that I'm using for some cloud notes that I try to just put out there, reference to other people's uh, fixes and stuff like that. So uh, right. things about Kubernetes and stuff like that. So I have been trying to get out of, of that one and coming from there, into this the source code right the, of the website it's like refreshing because our website has the very minimum to support what what our needs are and i think the idea is also coming from the sense that hey we built something that it is fast we use it ourselves why not let other people use it? Because there are not a lot of, I guess, blog slash podcast admin kind of template in Next.js out there that people just go and grab. So I think that's one of the reasons why 
And I mean, at some point, somebody has to see your code other than me. So we'll we'll, we'll no, see what people think please, about it. No, don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put the link on the website as well as on the show notes. But the idea of this process that didn't really take that long, I just didn't have a lot of time to work on it, was grabbing a copy of our code, removing anything specific to friction lock, try to do some improvements in like make it easier to customize for people and then just release it, right? So which total time span was probably like, I don't know, three, four hours maybe. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. bad at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It was actually good. So talk to me about some of the features that we have there, right? You know, we have uh, dark mode. How does it work? Did you try it on mobile when you were building it? Anything around like compliance? Like, do you remember any of those topics? Man, Cesar, that was more than five minutes ago. So no, I don't remember any of that. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I know like when I did do it over the over the Christmas break, I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Christmas break. The just working with Next.js with the markdown, the MDX stuff and all that, it's just such a delight. I just remember that going, oh, this is so much easier than all these other ways to do it. It's kind of like a, a meme now, like, oh, what's a developer going to do? He's going to spend all his time rewriting his blog and Next.js and all that. So, you know, it's kind of a joke and I get it, but there really is something nice about working with it. And I, I will say, as far as fish rules go, we use fish rules like as an app that's built on Next.js and all that kind of stuff. And, and from a professional perspective, it's a delight. But then even when you're working on hobby stuff or, or side things or little you know, smaller scope things like this. It's still a delight. It's great, which is neat, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's nice to be able to use the thing that you're doing on the side and the thing you do professionally and it, it all jives and has good value props across the board. <laughs> I agree. You mentioned MDX. So MDX for the people that don't know is a way to do markdown. That's your primarily content but then you can also embed JavaScript components or TSX components into it. So you right. can do this mix between just text that you're writing your blog post, but you can also put just components like a YouTube player or like a tweet viewer or even custom components like a tag or something that, that it, and it just works, which I think it's great. Like it's, I, I gotta say, first time I saw it, I didn't really see the value of it because I just wanted to write some text. And I think that goes back to my Gatsby blog. But now it's like, okay, so I can uh, I can add things like, for example, in our episodes, anybody that has seen the website that we have, we always have the buttons for like, hey, listen in Apple Podcast or Spotify or Overcast, which is what I use for podcasts, right? And now we can reuse that piece across all the blog posts which also can be taken into the bad stuff. Like if you're trying to make ads, then it's a, like you're going to be able to add like ads really easy to all your blog posts. But like especially <laughs> those that are in between paragraphs, which I hate. Uh, but yeah, I don't right. know. <laughs> so, okay. So MDX definitely was a quick project. It's not a lot of quantity of code, but it does have value. And you made it dark mode ready. So depending on your system settings, I use dark mode. I don't think we have a button right now to manually trigger it, which is interesting. Yeah, we don't. Um, it was just kind of like, let's use the tailwind stuff out of the box and mm-hmm. 
there's no it's actually pretty easy to implement and you just switch a global tag or a global you know property or whatever on on the body or something like that it's pretty easy but yeah okay so what else can i tell you about that it is using next version 12 as of right now 12.00 it is using tailwind as we said and tailwind version what version are we using 2.2.16 so that includes the jit compiler so it's pretty recent we'll try to keep it uh updated and and of course any issues you can report it directly on github so i think we talk about the why right or like how we were able to do this process the why is more about like we like i didn't see any templates when i was looking for a replacement that i really like there are a couple ones there's even one that has tailwind in it and it comes from tailwind and and some of that so but there is uh, like our website credit to you it's pretty i like it so i was like why don't we just make this available for other people the next question would be is it ready for anybody to use yes it is the readme instructions include things that you need to modify to the best of our abilities that we recollect but we're also gonna use it ourselves i'm gonna move that blog in and then anything we'll try to improve it and like any good open source project make sure that you update that you test it before you deploy right what nah, else who needs to do that yeah, that's why we put the deploy to sell button so you can just <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it's it's actually, it was super simple to add. And uh, it's one of those things, th- those delights out of Bercel that is like, mm-hmm. just click here and it's gonna grab that open source repo and it's gonna allow you to create a fork in your in your GitHub and then automatically deploy. And yep. I mean, it doesn't get easier than that, right? We don't have any release right now. We just have the initial commit that happened earlier today, and we will see where where this goes. I have some of the, I have a couple of features that we can add, and maybe it's worth mentioning them or not. It's not a promise that we will add them. Do you have anything in mind of what can we add to this that we don't well, have there's, already? There's some basic things like we don't have pagination on that it's just i think if you want to see all the posts it's just literally a list of all the posts which is fine um a lot of sites do that but we'll probably at some point we probably should have some kind of pagination some a better search is another one mm-hmm. um yeah. i think we used to use algolia on the previous version of the website mm-hmm. so maybe yeah our- i didn't move that over on the on this new one but i mean mm-hmm. algolia is amazing so it's kind of a no-brainer yep so pagination, search, color theming as well. Right now, it just it's the coloring that we have. Yes, we have uh, light and dark mode, but we don't really have any ability to customize color. You will have to go through the different Tailwind CSS files. And then the other one, I, I do maintain a couple of blogs in Spanish, so it might be good to explore what will it mean to have some sort of internationalization on it. So those are some of the things that we have. GitHub issues are available. Anything that if you like that template and you want to see something, raise an issue, we will take a look. It generates RSS feeds. We have two RSS feeds out of our website. One is your typical RSS feed for whatever you use to read news in the future, whatever rig is going to build <laughs> in Keystone.js. And then it also <laughs> generates an RSS feed that it is compatible with iTunes, right? And Spotify. So if you are making a podcast by yourself, 
you can definitely use this template and it will get you a head start on the website, right? I know there are a bunch of tools that are out of the box, but this is what we use. So happy to share that. All right. Any questions that you may have for me? So how, how long did it take you to take the existing thing and then like make it to where it's open source? I'm just curious. So I think end to end, I did like four hours maybe, which was like maybe three sessions couple of one hour sessions and then one of, of two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't that much. It was just yeah, right. go through every single file. And then, well, basically I started by creating a copy of our repo, right? Removing the, mm -hmm. Git, the Git folder. So we don't bring all that history in. We didn't have any keys or anything mm -hmm. very right. unique, I would say. So we were, we were, Thumbs up on that for us. We use plausible analytics. We use MailChimp for email subscribe subscription. So it was a couple of things to make sure that we that we call it out for somebody that wants to use it. And then it was just going through each of the files and making sure that there was no reference to just friction law as itself. And if there was any, then tell you how to modify it for your own convenience, right? Whenever you want to put your brand there. So that's the actual work. The mm -hmm. thinking process of it was more interested. And I think it took me almost like four hours total as well, right? So I'll look at something and then I'll start thinking, I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do with this? We're going to publish it as an open source repo. And then are we going to fork it ourselves? Do we Are, are we going to keep our private repo with all the content? Like, what are we going to do there? And then how do you make changes on the fork, whether that's the friction log website or my personal website or um, any other website, anybody that wants to contribute, especially around the part of the content, right? Because we have content that is sampled for different categories, but now you that mind switch of like, okay, how do I make this reusable? How do I make this so it works for at least two of our websites, right? Um, mm -hmm. They're all right. going to look similar, but at the same time, I want him to, I, I do want to spend time trying to do this because I got to say, this would be my first uh, open source project that I'm actually, I'm going to try to maintain, right? So other than a few libraries here and there and, and sample codes, I do want this to, to be something that somebody can go ahead and deploy it and then maybe tell us about it. Then we'll put a reference on that, on that repo. Right. Right. Cool. All right. Awesome. And then, then we're going to end up basing friction log off of it too. So we got to do that little bit of work. And then I'm assuming like anything, we're going to start running into, Oh, we probably need to add this as um, environment variables or some kind of config thing. That's always what ends up happening when you start doing these kind of website boilerplate things. Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome, man. Um, Good job. I, I think if anything, the hardest part of the migration was, or the, not the migration, but the copying and, and the scraping and all of that was not thinking about what's coming up next. Just get it out there, share it. It doesn't matter that it has five stars, right? Just <laughs> get to the, to the front door and ship something. Right. I supposed mm -hmm. to try have this perfect template where you can customize colors and mm -hmm. language right. and themes and and all of that. 
that is the hardest part because I, more than once I was like, oh, let me change this and let me do this. No, we should probably fix that. And I'm like, no, this is, this is going to take more time than what we really want to spend on it. And we don't even know if it's going to, if it's going to work. We have a couple of use cases ourselves. So right. not worrying too much about it being completed was the challenge. And I am proud to say that I, that it's out there. So it, it means that I succeed. <laughs> right. Good. That's good. And that's a good attitude to have always. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the key yeah. is with iteration is if you set out with the idea that, look, I'm going to do this and I'm going to iterate on it, then you have to follow through with it. Right. Cause you can't, there's, there's two fault pitfalls. The first one is, not setting out that way. It's like, I, I got to build this all perfect. So obviously we know that's always a disaster in software. Not always, uh, most of the time. The other pitfall is kind of deceiving yourself and saying, well, I want to iterate fast, blah, 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 blah. And it still takes you a little too long. And so then you release it longer than what you planned on doing. And then, especially when you're building products that you know, users actually are using that you need to get user feedback on. It takes you too long to get the user feedback. And a lot of times it's better just to get the feedback with bugs in it or with something that's incomplete than to wait until it's like, I know I'm not going to get bad feedback on this now because it checks these boxes. A lot of times it's better just to get the bad feedback. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think by the time that you release something that has gone through that process, you're already tired and any feedback will irritate you and it will probably not be good feedback either, right? Mm -hmm, because right. you're thinking ahead. And as when you start and you're like, hey, this is out, maybe people will use it, maybe not, but at least I have a use case myself and I'm going to try to push it and to be better. Eventually people notice and, and maybe it will help somebody, right? So yes, I couldn't put it in better words than what you just did. <laughs> yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. I'm looking forward to improving it and working on it. It's awesome. Yeah, likewise. Did you see that there was, a, I think it was a Twitter thread or something that I saw, like how Twitter implemented the undo feature no like oh yes 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 it was like like uh, for lack of a better term a set timeout right i mean like yeah it was, yeah it was just a timer and if you close the app it just blew the timer up yep that was amazing i love it that was actually one of my favorite stories that was what last week or two weeks ago I somebody so. i love that so much because it's just the scrappy nature of it because you know there's like the opposite side which is like the solution architect person, which we've both had that role, you know, it's like, <laughs> Oh, we have to do this and do this. We got to think about this and think about this and da, 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 da. And um, yeah. Twitter peeps are like, yeah, I just put a timeout and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they don't release a lot of features, but when they do, it's like in that hacky way. And you're oh, like, I yeah, love it. that makes sense. So yeah, I loved it. I loved it when they, when they said that, I'm like, Oh, that's so great. <laughs> and I think it's just a good example of us, right. Trying to do the same, trying to just get it out there and, and we will improve it whenever it needs improvement and we'll make it better based on our use cases and based on feedback. But right now it's a set timeout. <laughs> <laughs> that's great all right man well 
thank you for building the code originally during the Christmas break and your help through the migration. I definitely have a good time. I think there's work to do. We'll be back on the next episode with some friction logs of some of the things that we told. But for today, I think that's it. Uh, cool. All right. Thanks for fixing it all. <laughs> anytime, my friend. I'll right, catch man. up with you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good. See ya. Bye. All right.